So I, I'm not too concerned with it. If anything, you hope that he uses it as, as kind of that wake up call and goes, all right, I thought I was ready, but this is a whole new level. Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, Director of Published Content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. And we are brought to you today, as always, by the 440 Podcast Network. I am joined back again on the show, my buddy James Foster. You know him as No Flags Film on YouTube, Patreon, and Twitter. James, welcome back. How has your uh, post-draft break been? It's been amazing, uh, but I'm ready to get back into the mud. All right, well, let's do it. We're going to get back into it today. Our guest is Emily Proud. She is the weekend sports anchor at WKRN News Channel 2 here in town. She's fantastic to have on the show. If you're a longtime listener of the show, we had her on previously, and she's fantastic to talk about. Today, we're chatting rookie mini camp that happened over this past weekend. She was there. We get all of her thoughts on what she saw, what she heard, some, some things that are important takeaways, some things that are not important takeaways, and... Uh, yeah, that's that's all. Let's let's without further ado, get into our interview with Emily Proud. All right, let's welcome in our guest this week, Emily Proud. She's the weekend evening news anchor and sports reporter at WKRN News Channel 2 here in town. She uh, has been on the show before. Earlier last season, we had her on to discuss. I don't remember what we were talking about, but you were on. You're so you're a second time guest and we're so happy to have you, Emily. How are you today? I'm great. Happy to be back. Thanks for inviting me. We're happy to have you. And uh, today we just want to talk about what you saw and heard and thought about this past weekend when you were attending the Titans rookie mini camp. They had, um, I believe it was what, the Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Is that right? Uh, just Friday, Saturday. Open Friday, media. Saturday. Okay, gotcha. And so we got to see all these guys in action for the first time with the Titans. Um, there was a lot of uh, news coming out of those press conferences and from the open practice portion of the the weekend and uh there there's a couple of different topics i want to get to the first of which let's discuss Traylon burks titans first round draft pick um he had a what sounds like a pretty up and down first day out there there was made much ado about nothing in my opinion his his first day um not being able to finish the practice stay out there on the field appeared to have some issues breathing maybe um some some heat related issues. I'm not sure if we ever got to the bottom of that. I'm not sure if we ever heard from him over the weekend. Did he speak to the press at all? No, he did not. Just adding to the entry. <laughs> yeah, very interesting. And then uh, it sounds like he had a much better second day, was able to finish the practice. And when he was out there, it looked pretty good. So what were your thoughts on him in his debut in Titans uniform? Yeah, I think just day one was unfortunate and that there was a lot of excitement to see him. And so selfishly, you weren't able to see a whole lot out of him. And I understand it from a Titans fans perspective. You said that there was much to do about nothing. I get the, um, you know, kind of fear that they feel because of all the first round picks they've had in the past um, and they've been burned before. So I get that it's been built up over many years. Um, and so I think that there's a, a concern there. But when it comes to a guy being out of shape, which is how Mike Rabel uh, explained it in May. I really don't have much of a problem with that. I do think the way that Rabel uh, phrased it and that a lot of guys think that they're doing the right things and think that they're ready to go and they hang out with the trainers that claim that they've helped this guy in the NFL and this guy. And so they think they're on the right track, uh, but you never really know until you get there. And so if anything, you can look at it as maybe a wake up call. Um, but also, I mean, it, it was it was hot. <laughs> it wasn't that hot i think um you know we've I've seen it a lot hotter during training camp yeah. but it was one of those things where 
once you have that sort of heat exhaustion issue at the beginning, it's really hard to just kind of snap out of it. I mean, it's, it's something where he needed the inhaler. I saw him with an ice pack on the back of his neck to cool down. And also too, what have we learned from Mike Rabel and his ability to manage players and, and not push injured players and force them to do things that mm. could potentially re-injure, although this isn't it's something as simple as a hamstring or an ankle or something like that. I do think that there is a chance he could have come out and tried to go full speed, uh, but it just wasn't worth it at that point. I mean, why, why push the guy? You got to, it's May again, <laughs> it's May. You got a right. lot, you got yeah. a lot of time to, to figure stuff out. Um, so I, I'm not too concerned with it. If anything, you hope that he uses it as, as kind of that wake up call and goes, all right, I thought I was ready, but this is a whole new level. I don't think that that will affect his, ability to play necessarily. I don't think we're going to see that in terms of, you know, his ability to c- catch passes. Um, but in, in terms of what it takes to be an NFL player and not just an NFL player, somebody that's coached by Mike Rabel, you mm. can tell that the man feeds off of the rookies and loves giving them that welcome to the NFL moment and pushing them maybe a little bit harder um, than, than you see the vets. But it's, uh, I, I'm not too concerned with Traylon Burks at this point. I can just say not to compare myself as the athlete to Traylon Burks, but as someone that at one point in my life played multiple sports, like there is a big difference in different types of being in shape. Like you would go from Mm -hmm. football practice and think like, oh, I'm in great shape. And then basketball practice starts the first practice. You're dying, leaning against the wall because it's just like a different type of being in shape. And so they've been preparing for the combine and like working on their 40 times and three cones and all that. They're not really getting in like, August football practice shape, which is what Mike Vrabel's trying to recreate. Right. And when you you say it's just May, Emily, I don't know if you're aware. James and I were talking about this the other day. Rookie minicamp is probably the most important thing these guys are ever going to do on a Titans field. I mean, don't you <laughs> don't you remember every highlight of every Titans player from like when I think about, you know, Derrick Henry, I think, oh, that rookie minicamp. That was the highlight of <laughs> – can you – do you remember back to some of the videos coming out about him in his rookie minicamp? It was just kind of awkward. There were some brought back up uh, in reference when Traylon Burks was was struggling, and it was like, wow, the the difference in, in these guys' first day and what they become, it's just not really all that applicable. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say this is who he is um, in May. Right. I mean, again, that, that's what that's what the off-season training activities are for, is to get you ready to go, to get you back in football shape. Yes, the NFL, the way it is nowadays, is these guys are working out um, constantly on their own, and they, they don't just show up completely out of shape and, and not ready to go, but y- you should have something to work towards. You should be able to continue to get better. Mm. Um, but the only thing that that isn't helping it. And the reason that we have these conversations and these fears and concerns and everything is because this is all we got right now, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so this is all Slow we have to talk about. news portion of the uh, off season right now. Yeah. And, That's and the it's, one... it's a first impression too, right? Right. That's the one thing I've realized over the past month is just the insatiable need for content in sports media. And like, even if there's nothing going on, people will create content out of thin air. Um, what was what was like your reaction to kind of the one time the Titans get national media attention? It being the whole Malik Willis Ryan Tannehill thing that was such a non-story. A whole month yeah, they think, made out of that story. Yeah. Oh no, I mean, they were talking about it in the Grizz playoff game. I mean, this was this was yep. <laughs> everywhere in different sports, not just football. Um, but no, yeah, Titans fans, you always complain that you don't get uh, enough right. national media attention. Well, here it is. 
no, it, I think that's also a product of not a whole lot going on either. Um, but it yeah. is a big, it, it has been a big debate in a long time is, you know, because there have been quarterbacks like an Alex Smith is somebody that you point to that has been this great mentor and the, the guy coming in behind him in that case, Patrick Mahomes has talked about how great it was and how he couldn't have done it without him and how he mentored him so much. You know, that's just how he learned. But then you've got like the Brett Favre situation with Aaron Rodgers saying like, heck no, that's not my job right. to, to mentor the guy coming in and, and replacing me. And so it has been a hot debate is just what is the veteran's role in terms of getting a rookie quarterback up to speed if ideally the rookie quarterback one day comes in and, and takes his job. The only part that I thought was somewhat notable about that whole conversation is the fact that that was not the question. <laughs> right. Like, Jer Jared Stillman asked the question and he did not ask it. Are you going to mentor him? He said, mm -hmm. what's it going to be like in the quarterback room when you're essentially competing against a guy that they drafted to one day, take your job. So he off Ryan Tannehill offered that up on his own. And so that's the only thing is that I think he knew that it was going to be a topic of discussion and just went ahead and threw yeah. it on out there. Um, but he wasn't explicitly asked about mentorship. So that was the only thing that I found kind of interesting. Well, and Mike Vrabel spoke to that in his press conference during minicamp, he was asked about what his thoughts were on Ryan's comment and uh, if I'm not mistaken, he kind of had the obvious answer in a reply of it's not his job to mentor yeah. Malik Willis. Like it's the coach's job to coach Malik Willis, right? That's we, we, we briefly touched on, on that topic here on this podcast. We, our show, I think we pride ourselves on not really getting into things that don't matter just because they're a, a big uh, talking point. Um, and so we'll, we'll briefly touch on stuff like that, but like, like we said earlier on this show, it's such a, it's, I mean, everybody, everybody knows it's a dumb topic. It's, it's really not a big deal. And I think how, uh, how good a mentor a guy is to somebody isn't something that comes pre mentorship. It's like, for example, with Alex Smith, we hear now about how great he was with Patrick Mahomes, like you said, and he was an, a fantastic mentor. Well, he wasn't talking about how great he was going to be in his first press conference after the Chiefs traded up in the first round to get Patrick Mahomes. That like that wasn't it comes afterwards where it's like, man, he was great. He he was he was fantastic to me in the locker room. He was fantastic to me in the meeting rooms. Like the actions are what matter, not not what he has to say in a press conference in, like you said, in May. So um, that seemed to be like not much of a, a a topic. And I'm glad that we're well, I say I'm glad we're over it, but I I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> it, 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 I'm, I'm guessing on the very first Titans game broadcast, it'll be the discussion in the booth probably about Ryan Tannehill, Malik Willis, even though Malik Willis may or may not even be active for that game. That's something that I don't think Titans fans even realize the fact that Malik Willis you're gonna get may a lot may of not you're going to get a lot of shots to the sidelines of the quarterbacks talking. And if Malik Willis is ever standing by himself, it's, it's over for him. Yeah. Look at this poor him. guy isolated. I do. I do want to give the young man a shout out though. I think he handled it incredibly oh, yeah. well. His, he did. His so let's talk about that. Was wonderful. Yeah. Let's talk about that. So he did end up speaking to the media this weekend. And uh, so you, you guys got a chance to speak to him. And of course that was brought up. He, I think it was our, our buddy, John Glennon, who asked him about that. And he had that soundbite where he was pretending that he didn't know what he was talking about. Um, but his response about how Ryan had had the entire skill position group over for dinner and they'd chopped it up. What, what were your thoughts on that and how he handled that uh, question? 
Yeah, what comment? What comment? I mean, I have never seen that much confidence and swag from a rookie coming in just like mm. just just joking with the media. And and we were talking about this afterwards too is, you know, when he walked up to us, he goes, "Oh, hey, new a bunch of new guys." I got, you know, and he, it it almost made it seem like it was different from the media contingent that he saw in college and so he was getting used to us and whatever that. And we thought about it how much media do you think there is at Liberty? You know, I, um, I, I know, know that there's not because we've been looking for people to interview on each Titans rookie. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, miss plenty of people to talk to Arkansas, plenty of people. And I'm still hunting for Liberty people. I'm not sure that they exist. That's the thing is that it's even more impressive when you consider that there hasn't been a lot of media training. There hasn't been a lot of experience in talking to the media. Not only was he answering questions in, in, a, in a beautiful way, but he mm. was also joking and seemed so comfortable. And um, so I was I was just very impressed with how he carries himself. I know that that's a big part of, of being an NFL quarterback is, is kind of the demeanor and how you walk and how you talk and, and all those things. Um, but I will say, like, just what he was saying about Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill seems to be one of those guys that just works in silence, right? You don't see the workout videos in the offseason. He just comes kind of ready to go. You don't, you know, you don't see what he does in terms of him being a teammate, yet guys gush about him, about how great of a teammate is. We've heard it from multiple players and we haven't really seen it in terms of, you know, what we see in, um, in the media, but you know, we used to be in locker rooms, So maybe that was something that we would see then, but even then, I think it's one of those things where Ryan Tannehill, like, unless he has to fight for it and say, Hey, I am a great leader. I'm great. That's when you, you should kind of be like, okay, if you have to tell us that you are, then maybe you're not. Um, so the same thing too, is, is Tannehill could have told us, yeah, I'm planning on inviting some of the rookies and some of the offensive skill players over to my house just to get to know them. Uh, but for him, it, that's just something that he does. And so I think that was another good example of even though we might not see it. And even though we might not hear it from Ryan Tannehill, um, we should listen to all the people that surround him and that do talk about how great of a leader he is. And, um, and we'll, we'll see in terms of the mentorship comment, but I have a feeling that Ryan Tannehill is not just going to ice him out and we're already seeing him not doing that. Yeah. And I mean, I appreciate what Ryan Tannehill does, you know, by the fact that it's not for show, like he's not out here broadcasting the fact that he had everybody over for dinner. It's just like, that's something that comes up talking to someone else. Um, and, you know, I think that's like what being a real leader is, is just, you know, um, kind of like you said, doing a lot of uh, his best work in silence. Uh, what what do you think about the, the quarterback? Easton uh, mentioned this uh, briefly, but like, do you think, the Titans, I assume they'll only dress two quarterbacks for the game. If you had to guess right now, do you think Malik Willis is that second quarterback? Do you think it's Logan Woodside? What are your thoughts on the quarterback room? I think camp will tell a lot. I think the preseason will tell a lot too. We just don't know a lot about Logan Woodside. Um, mm -hmm. But again, you have to take what people say, how they act, how the things that they do if they don't explicitly say how much they love Logan Woodside, which they do. They talk highly of him, but He's been here for a while. <laughs> They've had a lot of backup quarterbacks come and go. They have Trevor Simeon is the first one that comes to mind for whatever reason, but a lot of random quarterbacks have come into the Titans facility um, and have left. And yet Logan Woodside continues to, to be the, the steady ship that stays. And so that says a lot about the trust that they have in him. That says a lot about his ability to understand the offense and God forbid something happens to Ryan Tannehill. He has to come in and it, it should 
um, shouldn't be too much of a drop off. And so I think that Malik Willis has, has got to fight for that backup spot. I don't think it's automatic necessarily. Um, but I will say, I'll go ahead and throw in a plug here. You got the preseason on News 2. You'll be hey. watching all of the games on our network, which is very exciting. Um, and you'll you'll learn a lot about the quarterbacks during those preseason games because it's one thing to see it in practice, but you got to see it in game action. So you, you got to see a, a decent amount, I'm assuming, of these guys in action on the field. Besides the the intrigue, the media intrigue around Traylon Burks and Malik Willis, what were your thoughts about our first look at them out there throwing the ball around? Yeah, I mean, two guys uh, stand out to me, and that's Kyle Phillips. I thought that he just looked like a veteran among rookies. You can tell mm. that he just moves so crisp. He made some incredible catches. He seems like a quarterback dream, and that if you just put it somewhere in his vicinity, he's going to do whatever it takes. And then he, he makes those contested catches too, where I like to say that you catch a ball knowing full well you're about to get rocked over the center of the field. <laughs> right. He's he's one of those guys, just not afraid to sacrifice his body to make that catch. And there were no pads, so it, it was it was contact and it hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, but you just saw him make some some great catches and just going through drills and stuff too. He just seemed. So crisp reminds me a lot of Adam Humphreys and the way that he does things where he's just so technical with everything. It just looks again, I'm going to say the word crisp about 10 times, but that's the best way that I can use to describe (laughs) it. Crisp crisp Um, is the best word for, uh, for uh, Kyle Phillips. Like as someone who's wrote a ton of um, draft profiles, you know, you get used to like recycling the same words over and over again, use the the source, all this stuff. But crisp is the word that I just kept uh, using for Kyle Phillips because it's like every movement that he does is just, um, there's no wasted motion. There's no false steps, Mm -hmm. um, you know, gets into his breaks, like with a a ton of confidence, ton of polish Mm -hmm. in his game. That's polish is another word that uh, I think applies to Kyle Phillips a lot. The technician out there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cause there are some guys that I might describe as smooth, um, mm-hmm, and I wouldn't necessarily right. describe him as that because it's it just like you said, it's the confidence that he moves to with that I think is is huge and something that we don't always see with rookies. And so he was somebody that stood out on the offensive side of the ball on the defensive side of the ball. Theo Jackson, I thought, had a really good camp, not just the fact that he had the only interception against Malik Willis, but watching him go through drills, too. Um, I actually we had two photographers from our station on Saturday. I was one of them. And then my uh, colleague, Cal Baxter was another, and he was in charge of shooting the offense and I was in charge of shooting the defense. So I was sitting there with the zoom lens, watching everything that the defensive backs did. And um, obviously I was trying to get some good film of Roger McCreary, but my eyes just kept going to Theo Jackson. And it's the same thing too. The confidence that he moves with, I would see him in between drills too, kind of shuffling his hands and, and thinking about the next moves that he's going to make um, while he's waiting to take his next reps. You could see he was so dialed in and it, it paid off too. I don't think I ever saw him drop a, a pass when they were um, doing drills. He was great with ball security. He was great at punching out the ball too. I saw him do a good job at that. And so, um, and, and outside of the, one interception that he had, he could have had multiple. The guy just has a nose for the football. He was around the football so often. And you see him as a leader too, and talking to the other defensive backs and making sure everybody's lined up. And he was just somebody that I I came in not expecting all that much, right? He's a later round pick, somebody that you're going to see a lot of on special teams in an already very, very deep room as well. And and you just don't see where he fits in necessarily. Um, but I think that the Titans could find a role for this guy because based on what we saw again, two days in May <laughs> looked pretty good. Yeah. The, um, 
if we look at power five defensive backs last season, um, first pa- most pass breakups was Roger McCreary with 13. Second most was Theo Jackson with 12. So that's definitely <laughs> nice. something the Titans value. And you, if you look back at their old draft classes, they value ball production from uh, defensive backs. And Theo Jackson was a guy that I saw when I was watching Alante Taylor, who went somewhere in the 40s. Um, and Theo Jackson just kept popping off the screen as somebody that was always around the football. And so I gave him like a late fifth round grade. And then as we went throughout the draft process, I never saw him on any big boards, never saw him on any mock drafts. So I was like, oh, okay, I, I guess this guy is not like declaring for the draft or something. So I took him off my board and then <laughs> we drafted him and I was like, oh, okay, good pick. See, I was right. Um, so there's a little vindication with Theo Jackson for me. Yeah. So there's not really much else to talk about in terms of rookie minicamp. I just want to ask to wrap up the minicamp discussion. Is there anything that you take away from this camp um, that you think is, is informing, I guess, informing your opinion of this rookie draft class going forward. Um, Was there any, what was the substance from this that you really took away? Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to remember this when they're back here in July and August, something to look for when they get into training camp and things get a little bit more real. I would say probably two things that, that stand out about this class. One, their health. I know we began this podcast talking about Traylon Burks, mm. but it's been a while since we saw that many picks compete in rookie minicamp and go through all the drills, and they all just looked really solid, and I'm going to knock on all the wood that I have in this room. Um, but ultimately, you could tell that that was something that was very important for the Titans, and I think that they indicated that with some of the moves they made in free agency, too. And the guy that we you know, were talking about earlier, and Darrington Evans, and, and releasing him is that they were just they, they had no more patience for guys that were not out on the football field. Availability mm. was going to be so important to them. And you saw them draft that way too. And then when it comes to this class and, and looking ahead, this class is, is a great mixture of guys that can do some things for you now, can help you now, but also you look at down the line and replacements for, for you know, aging veterans and, and you, see, you see the plan through John Robinson's eyes. You see a Hassan Haskins, who is very similar to a Derrick Henry. And yes, you hope that he could be that Darrington Evans role where you're able to alleviate some of the um, the times that you're giving Derrick Henry the football. And so maybe in the meantime, it can help with that, but also you're looking to the future too. And maybe this could be, you know, your, your lead back. I hate to, to bring up the fact that there's life beyond Derrick Henry. But Already kick him out contract. the door, man. Don't life, do it. <laughs> life beyond, life beyond Derrick Henry could start, next season so you, yeah. you need to plan for those sorts of things and you see the same thing with Malik Willis and uh Chega Conquo was another player that I think could do a lot of things for them in the interim as he figures it out he could be kind of like a gadget player and you use him um, and have a few designed plays for him but then in the future you hope that he turns into that Johnny Smith um where he is that number one tight end and can do a lot for you and so that's what I like about this class is that I'm excited about them now but I can also see the vision for them in the future. And I think it's been a, been a minute since we felt that way about draft classes. And in, in the past, it's been, this is a huge hole. They need to plug it immediately. You expect so much out of this guy. He's got to step in and be awesome day one. Um, I, I feel like my expectations are fairly tempered for this class and that I think they could do a good job, but I don't feel that sense of desperation that they've got to be awesome this year. Mm. I think that mindset, I mean, I, I totally agree with uh, your analysis of that. And Easton uh, wrote a great article kind of talking about how 
you know, with the AJ Brown situation just being sprung on them, they kind of had to had to shift their focus basically on the fly and say, okay, we're going into like a competitive rebuild now. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think for that reason, I, w- I do kind of want to like temper people's expectations for this draft class and, and think back to players like we compare Shiga Conquo to Johnny Smith. Johnny Smith was legitimately not a good tight end his first two years. It wasn't until his third year that he like really, yep. because tight end is a position that has a, a really steep learning curve from college mm. to the NFL. Um, and so like Chiga Conquo is a guy, in my opinion, that has to put on weight, but if he can put on weight and maintain that athleticism, you've got a really dynamic weapon. And so there's a lot of guys like that, that I think I would just, um, patience is going to be what I'm preaching this off season. Um, you know, I think there, there are some guys that have potential, but a lot of development um, down the road. Yeah, especially in this offense, too. I feel like being mm-hmm. a tight end when most of your job is blocking is can be somewhat difficult, especially right. if you're a guy like Chig, who's just so much more athletic than everybody <laughs> that he was playing with right. in, in college. And so you were able to use him more in the passing game. He's going to be relied on a lot to block. But again, I don't think that there's a lot of pressure on him because you still have a Jeff Swain. Um, who can come in and help you out there? And maybe we see something from Tommy Hudson. Who knows? Or they bring somebody and else in free. Agency. You've already got an. You've already got a tight end one in Austin Hooper who can just be exactly. that B B plus type of player uh, as far as a blocker. So, yeah, I mean, I, I like what they uh, did to address the tight end position. I think they attacked it in the draft, attacked it in free agency, free agency, and spent an appropriate amount of resources. Um, Easton, do you have any? other questions about minicamp i think um not really the and the only other thing on titans news radar as of late is the schedule you may or may not have any thoughts about the schedule that came out emily is there anything that stood out to you about how the how the chips fell for the titans in their schedule this year i will say i'm a little worried about first week um because i do think that losing to the losing to the giants would just i mean i just think about Uh, the the mindset on this team and i don't know why (laughs) i don't want to be doom and gloom but that would just be an awful way to start the season i certainly they should not lose to the giants but you do have extra time to prepare and it's kind of the i do think that when you look at some of these offensive pieces and we we briefly touched on this there's a lot of new ones (laughs) for ryan Tannehill, and that was a bit of a problem last year is that he didn't get to work with Julio Jones as often as he would like to. I think Ryan Tannehill had COVID during like half of training camp. And so he wasn't able to work with Julio and Julio was injured and same thing goes with AJ Brown. And so he wasn't able to to play with his new weapons too much. And so it took a little bit for them to, to get ready to go. And so if the same thing goes this year, when you have Robert Woods, who's new, you have an Austin Hooper, who's new, you've got Traylon Burks, most of the guys you're throwing to, um, you haven't thrown to a whole lot. So it's going to take a little bit for this offense to, to get in rhythm. And so you certainly um, are glad that the, the, that first game should be somewhat, I don't want to say easy, nothing is easy in this league. Um, right. But but week two is going to smack you right in the face. So you better start 1-0 before you so go. It's, it's whiplash, isn't it? Because it, I, I think it might be their easiest game all year, followed by their hardest game all year out of the gate. And uh, you're right. It could be a blessing or a curse with that first game. On one hand, because you have so many new moving parts, you wanted kind of a soft cushion, something to ramp up yeah. into the year. But like you said, the t- especially with this team, right? Because the Titans love, love, love. Yeah, don't to play lose down. that game. <laughs> they love to play down to their opponents. And I went and looked. They, they opened six and a half point favorites over the Giants when the Lions came out. I went back and looked. That's the 
the biggest line either either way, a home uh, favorite or underdog they've had since 2010 when they opened against the Raiders. So it's with any Titans fan knows when you're like a touchdown favorite over anybody that's like red, red flags everywhere for this team. Um, so it should on paper be a nice little landing spot, but it also could spell a disaster because if you had like a Buffalo week one and it was a disaster, well, that's like, oh, well, at least, you know, new parts, tough team. But that's going to be a rough scene if they are going to Buffalo 0-1, having lost to brand new coach and Danny Dimes uh, in week one. That's that's probably the Vols fan in me that's like Uh, (laughs) my fears as uh, is is not being super confident in terms of how they start the season. But no, you're right. They they should beat the Giants. I'm just saying if they don't. Is it weird? Is it weird to you as I'm a fellow Vols fan? Is it weird to you to like feel good about Tennessee football right now? It's like Mm. I feel like I feel like for the first time in years, uh, there hasn't been some like dark cloud hanging over Tennessee's football program. I'm like weirdly <laughs> confident about them. I don't know. Uh, see, again, I'm, I'm guarding myself. I'm protecting yeah. my heart from being broken because it typically is. I know it's been a, it's been a pretty chill off season. I will say that I think in a couple weeks, uh, we'll hear a ruling from the NCAA that will knock us back to reality. <laughs> in terms of, That's true. Uh, what's, what's coming down with those uh, sanctions. But I do think that Tennessee did everything that they possibly could to protect themselves from getting anything too bad. And that they really clean sweep, cleaned house um, with all the, the people that were involved. They already had self-imposed in terms of having fewer scholarships. So again, I'm, I'm guarding myself, but I'm the same, I'm the same way as you. It's, it's a little bit of excitement. It's weird. Yeah. I haven't had this feeling in a long time. <laughs> There's not an obvious thing for you to be like, oh, that's not going to go well. You, you can't quite no. yet point to the reason that the season will be a disaster, but you still like, like I, I'm not a Vols They'll fan. Find but I've, I've find followed, I, I'm good friends with many Vols fans and I follow the Vols for years and years. And it's like, as a third party, it's always hilarious to just see what the downfall is. But I can't, I'm with you that I can't really point we've, to. We've got our million dollar quarterback, uh, Nick. I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name, but yeah. Uh, Nico. Just call him yeah. Nico. There you go. There you go. Well, Emily, thank you so much for being with us today. You got anything to plug? Anything exciting going on over at News Channel 2? Um, no, I mean, every Sunday night, Sports Extra, uh, okay. 1035, we have a full half hour, which is awesome. And hey. uh, my we we spend most of it talking Titans. And so if you want some a good show, because you're not going to get a whole lot of it on the national news, we talk, we talk Titans pretty much for half an hour every single week. So join us. Fantastic. Well, we love having you on. Hopefully we'll have you on again sometime in the future. Thanks for uh, giving us some of your time. And uh, we'll talk to you again sometime soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening today. Just so that you guys are aware of what the plan is for this show in the next coming weeks. We are hoping uh, this this upcoming week. Today is uh, Thursday when this show is coming out. We're hoping for Monday or Tuesday of next week for the first episode of our rookie draft series. Uh, We're doing a series as we've been teasing for a couple of weeks now a podcast on each of these rookies the Titans have drafted. We're going to talk to some people that know them pretty intimately from their college experience. We're going to dive into the tape with James. We're going to look at um, his evaluation of these players pre-draft, what his thoughts have been post-draft, now that he's had a chance to look at them in more detail. It's going to be, I, I think, the, the best resource you have out there in Titans media in terms of getting to know these guys and getting to know these players. James, I'm excited to get into it. Um, what are your thoughts? 
I'm super excited for it. Um, also, just want to say that if you would like to get your question answered for hey. our Q&A series, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts with your question, um, and we will answer it. It can be about Titans or it can be about uh, life, women advice. Um, I would probably handle those types of questions uh, <laughs> as opposed to Easton, but hey. Right, right. As opposed to the guy that's you know, getting engaged. Exactly. So. I mean, look, he's off the, he's off the markets. He, it's he true, know, yeah. If you're looking for the, the latest market news, James is your guy. Yeah, there we if go. If you're looking for li- a lifelong uh, fulfillment and happiness. Marital, marital problems direct those to Easton. Right, right. As somebody who's not yet married, I know everything about uh, how to have a successful marriage. So hit me with those. But yeah, James is right. You can DM us your questions. They'll probably get answered if you want them guaranteed answered. Like you said, Apple podcast reviews, review five stars, any question guaranteed to be answered. We've got one or two on there that I promise we haven't forgotten about you. We know we guaranteed them and they're still guaranteed. We're going to get to those in the next Q&A we do. We just got to get more questions. We can't do a whole episode on one or two questions. So send us all your thoughts and we will soon be doing another one of those. Until then, until next week, for James Foster, I'm Houston Freeze. We'll talk to you then. Bye.